Turn in your scriptures this morning to Acts 13. As we continue on in our message in Acts, uh, we have a very interesting area that we are looking at, part of the narrative, part of the story. And we have some incredible events that have been happening all around us this past week. And part of that we will speak to today. Let's go before the Lord and ask that He opens our hearts, our minds, our souls to what He has for us today. Let's bow. Father, speak through Your Word, through Your Holy Spirit today. Let it be powerful. Let it encourage us. Let it inspire us. As we look back to the early church, as we look back to the establishment of Your church, for the purpose, Lord, of understanding what Your desires are when it comes to this world, when it comes to sharing the light of the gospel with those who are suffering. Thank you, Father. Speak to our hearts. Do all this according to your glory. Amen. Well, we've had some major events all around us, and it seems like every day you turn around and there's some incredulous news. And in the words of somebody somewhere these are heavy times brother you know and we think of uh where we're heading today we're looking at the narrative we're looking at the story in the early church of the very first missions team this is the part where i'm waiting for the ooh and the ah right okay so this is the part where i'm admonishing you don't go back to 13-year-old, 18-year-old Jeremy, where when he knew the missionary was showing up in church, he just kind of, oh, you know. Wow, somebody dinged right when I hit my head like that. That was, that was some nice sound effects. We didn't even pay that person. And, uh, you know, back in my day when we had missionaries, and anybody remember this, the slide projector, the Kodachrome? You know, oh, what a beautiful sound, that chink right now they just do that in shows for retro feel but some of us lived it and um and then usually the reason i would try to tune out a little bit is because you'd get these pictures that half of the picture was melted or out of focus or whatever and and then it would be followed by a narrative by the missionary that sounded something like this well, this is me in the african jungle this is me and there's dinner this is me and just non-stop just going like that and uh that was back when you know when missionaries had to kind of come in and and redo all their support while they're resting so if you had been on a four-year trip overseas and you got back home you would be like all the time as well so you know we need to cut them some slack so we're looking at the first missions group this morning and as we do so let me take you to a picture so as we do this we know that uh, there's much going on within our own neighborhood and one of the philosophies of missions is taken straight out of acts in acts 1 8 you will be my witnesses in help me out Jerusalem, very good, Judea, Samaria, and to the utter parts of the world. We don't use the word utter anymore except when we're talking about cattle. So to the foremost, to the far-reaching ends of the earth is what that means if anybody needs translation. So Christ was saying, start here at home. So as part of our missions philosophy at CBC, we do multiple things at home. Uh, this coming Friday night, we are uh, participating with an organization that I used to be on the board with, and we wholeheartedly support a group called Options for Women. And this coming Friday is their big fundraiser gala. It's down at the Hilton, and their special speaker is Pam Tebow, um, Tim Tebow's mom. And she's going to be talking about her story and how she was encouraged uh, to abort Tim 
and all the pressures that she went through, I believe that we have four more spots available. Do not let this opportunity pass you by. If you want to attend that gala, we are underwriting half of your cost for dinner. So uh, you can sign up, uh, call the office tomorrow and let us know. But that's one of the areas that we help out. I've been receiving phone calls this past week um, by a few people saying, are we going to be doing anything for the fire relief? And so as we look at this picture, I'll move to the next picture. And this is far too familiar if you've been watching news, isn't it? One of the areas that I'm very, very proud of our church is the area of missions. Uh, we just helped out. We took an offering over the month of September um, for the Hurricane Harvey outreach. And many of you participated in that. I want you to hear what your Philadelphian small little church did in the span of your entire district, which reaches up to the northern border of California, all the way down to the South Bay, all the way over to Nevada. All of those churches raised $18,000 in our district. Our church raised 25% of that. 25% of that. So I'm sitting here thinking, okay, wow, that was incredible. And now we have a disaster here. Okay, what do we do? Come to the congregational meeting on the 28th. We're going to have multiple things. You'll hear a little bit about it during our body life today as far as what can we do to help up there in Northern California. We're working with our district um, on working with our churches that are in that area. So this is a challenging reminder, isn't it? Now, when there is suffering, and, and I know that during our adult Bible study this morning, Scott was talking about suffering and talking about Joseph. And when there is suffering, when there is great loss, one of the challenges is, and this was brought up at our adult study this morning, where is God in the midst of all of that? As a matter of fact, when I walked through the door, uh, a wonderful saint greeted me with just the, the, the expression and the greeting that you want to hear on almost every day of your life. So, aren't you reminded of the book of Job from this past week? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's been a tough week all around. And so we've been talking about that. You know, here's the incredible thing is that in the midst of suffering, to see Christ show up, is such an opportune moment. When people feel like they've had everything they can do stripped away from them, and now they have to rely on something else, they're asking questions. Will the church be there? Will the church be there? We're going to be exploring that this morning. Now, many of you may think this is Northern California. It's not. You see all those red dots on the map? You should be familiar with this process at this point if you've been watching the news. This is Myanmar. And while all those homes were lost in Northern California due to a wildfire, there are over 200 villages since August that have been burned by people, by the government, and surprisingly, by Buddhists. It is an effort to ethnically cleanse a group of people that have been fighting over territory going back to World War II. You'll hear a little bit more about this story as we walk through this. But there's now a refugee situation on the border of Bangladesh of over 500,000 that are there right now, living on hillsides, living in squalor, that are starving. And this was caused by men. What do you do? What do you do when there is so much suffering? And I think the incredible thing for us to think about is, where is the church? By the way, statistic came out um, over the AP wire when it first started evaluating all of the resources given towards the Hurricane Harvey. Do you know 75% came from faith-based organizations? Missions has a bad name around the world because of some of the history of missions. Let me ask you a question. 
when you get that one neighbor that moves in and they never water their lawn, you know where I'm going. Maybe you're that person. Maybe I shouldn't have brought this up. You're like, wait, last year, drought, I'm off the hook. But when you have that one neighbor that doesn't, you know, doesn't water their lawn and works on everybody's car in their front driveway and sets up temporary barriers all over the place, and, you know, it's a gated community. That would actually never happen in a gated community. But you're like, you're trying to tell friends, no, actually, it's a horrible neighborhood, right? We would go there, right? Because of one neighbor, we would say, horrible neighborhood, don't move in around here. No, most of us would say, it's a great neighborhood. It's just, you know, this individual has a different view of, you know, home ownership and life. Um, and, and they're free to have that. Um, but don't judge the whole neighborhood based off of this one. Pr- I, I want to encourage you when it comes to missions, the church owns a lot of dirt historically in what they've done with missions. Even here in California, where in some senses, because of the church moving in under the auspices of missions, they've come in and they've put people into bondage all in the name of Christ. That has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. That has everything to do with simple hearts of men. But I encourage you, do not throw out the beauty of what God does to help those who are suffering, to help those who are lost because of what we're about to read in the text this morning. Let's go to the text And we're just going to be on your notes in your bulletin. Pull out your notes and you can fill in the blanks and use those for life life group this week. Uh, You might have 1 through 12. The Lord spoke to me this week and said, knock it off and uh, shorten your message. So we're actually only going 1 through 6. 1 through 6. He didn't actually use the Greek version of knock it off. Um, But... The Holy Spirit was definitely doing his job with the restraining, okay? So let's look at it this morning. Acts 13, we're going to be verses 1 through 6. What an interesting insight. Remember, this is being written decades after these events happened. And so Dr. Luke, as we know him, not Dr. Oz, but Dr. Luke, is recording all of this information firsthand. He was there, he saw it. And he was interviewing a lot of the apostles and getting the stories from the apostles. The Holy Spirit is guiding him as to what are you going to write? What is it that I want written down and saved as God's holy word as a message? And this made it. This made the cut. So it's important. But many of us would probably just read over these first six verses and say, this sounds like a travel log. Right? It sounds like a travelogue. Let's just get to the really inspiring stuff. Let's find all this stuff about who God's character is. God's character's in here. Listen carefully. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Verse 4. So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, They proclaimed the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Wow. I mean, great place to stop, right? Because that gets you back next week. Because you're going to hear all about this Bar-Jesus. Wait, there's another person named Jesus in in the scriptures, and there's more magicians. I'm telling you, this act stuff is very exciting. It's primetime television. So where do we start with this? Well, let's, get, let's look real quickly this morning. Let's start with the idea of where Luke starts. The, this church in Antioch, by the way, a lot, of, a lot of momentum has gone towards Antioch. A lot has happened. A lot has shifted. We're not talking about Jerusalem. We're not talking about the capital of, of, uh, of, of where the church started, you're, you're out past Samaria now. 
So there's already been somewhat of a realization of Acts 1-8 with Jesus' philosophy of missions. We find ourselves in Antioch, which would be uh, just a little bit north of modern-day Lebanon and in southern Turkey in that area. And so now that church is thriving. And let's look at this church. What is made up of this church? Well, it's a diverse representation. The early church, one of the most powerful, one of the largest, the first mission-sending church was diverse. Yet I don't, I, I don't see any plan. I don't see any marketing strategy necessarily towards becoming diverse other than God's. And we've been hearing about that for the past three, four, five chapters. That, that God, in His infinite wisdom, required His leaders to reach out to people that they normally wouldn't reach out to. And what is the result? They have this incredibly diverse group. Did you notice who's listed here? Let's, let's look at it real quickly. We've got people from various regions. Uh, you've got Barnabas. Okay, Barnabas is a big dog. All right, this guy, he's from Cyprus. Um, we, we, I once heard uh, somebody refer to him as, as Happy Joe, all right, because kind of his, his name, Barnabas, is encourager, and, and another part of his name is Joseph. And so I once heard a pastor call him Happy Joe, and so I'm using that, I'm stealing that to make that stick in your head. But see, Barnabas is the one that went and grabbed Saul and hauled him on up to Antioch. We tend to think of Saul as the main player and God used him mightily. But here in this moment, he's working mightily through Barnabas. Barnabas is the one that brings Paul or Saul to the apostles and presents him saying, I vouch for him. So now he's taken them and he's hauled them on up to this church in Antioch. Who else do we have? We have Simeon who was called Niger. And that word Niger translates to this idea of literally being someone who's dark in skin color. So you've got someone who is, uh, who's from a different region. Diversity. Then you've got Lucius of Cyrene. Cyrene was on the north coast of Africa. What's he doing in Antioch? And then here's the best. I love this. Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch. This is someone who sat in the court of Herod. He actually went after a politician. There is a politician in the early church of Antioch. There's only, what, five, six guys listed here? And one of them is a politician. We don't get any more diverse than this, folks. You've got the Pharisee of all Pharisees in Saul. You've got a politician, a Roman politician. You've got someone from the north coast of Africa. Some would argue that this Simeon or, or, well, yeah, Simeon would be uh, that same character. It's not provable, but some think that there is some legitimacy to this, that it may have been the same Simeon that carried the cross of Christ. So we've got people from various regions. We also have people with various gifts. And as you look at a study of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about how the Holy Spirit gives us all these different gifts because it's required. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Because it is required. You've got a politician who understands administration. You've got uh, someone else who um, maybe understands the law of, of Judaism, right? Understands the Torah in great, great depth. You've got another person that's kind of a real estate mogul in Barnabas. They're all incredible, incredibly gifted, and yet God has brought them together to form this early church in Antioch. They're tied together through worship and God's purpose. So how do you pull diversity together? If you have a missional church, how do you pull all that diversity together and get them to work together? How do we do it? Well, we follow the same Scripture they follow. We follow the same Holy Spirit that they followed. And when we focus on the Holy Spirit, and we don't focus on the fray, on the periphery, on our own agendas, it is amazing how the Holy Spirit and how God and how the Word of God binds us together. This is the part where you say, yeah, we were somewhat together in that. That was pretty good. 
we have to be a missional church because we see a missional church here. It was my privilege in youth ministry to train up multiple uh, students of mine over the years that are now serving in churches in different capacities. I also, the last year that, that I did youth ministry, I took a team over to Africa. Took a team of 12. Six of those students are now out on the field full time. Four of them are married to each other. That happened way after that trip. I'll just let you know that. <laughs> I shared with you nine years ago about a young lady named... Well, I have to be careful about using her name, so we're going to call her Darla this morning. And Darla was encouraged into missions by the Holy Spirit. And she was encouraged into missions because our program introduced her into missions. See, the church invested in their youth. And now their youth are all over the world serving in churches and serving out on the field. And I shared nine years ago that Darla had hiked up into the hills of a country that's now unsafe for any believers. They had their own cleansing that happened in a civil war going back five years ago. And in the dead of night, she and her team, she lived on a dirt floor, she lived in a hut, and she had to hike out about 15 to 16 miles in the middle of the night in order that they wouldn't be killed at age 22, I think, 22, 23. So what do, how do you top that? Well, you come home and you marry a guy that's going to go into missions. And so we'll call his name Dave. And so Dave and Darla head out and are on the field. And they're in an area that they've had to come home once already because of the danger. They're in an area that fits very closely to where we started today, and I'll come back to this. But let me just tell you, one of the reasons that they're there serving. You see, you're going to hear all about resources and groups and, and those that are going to be in the North Bay over the coming weeks helping and serving. How many of you noticed the, the report that Guy Fieri was already up there with a barbecue truck, right? You all heard that already. Guy Fieri showed up and, and, you know, brought food to all these folks. What's going to happen over the next few weeks, months, years, for those that are suffering in the North Bay? What's going to happen for all those in Myanmar? that are being butchered and slaughtered. Where will the hope come from? Romans 10 talks about how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But how will they go, how will anyone go if they're not sent? And see, we thought forward. And because of the investment by a missional thinking church, I've got 10 to 12 students. You're like, how do you not know? Is it 10 or is it 12? I have 12 students that are overseas currently serving, but two of them are back home on furlough, so I, I had to be careful how I said that. And so many others serving in churches because of the investment, because of a missional church. That was this church in Antioch. They're gathered together. They're a diverse people. They have diverse gifts. And they're tied together through worship and God's purpose. So they're worshiping, they're gathered together, and something unique happens. And that has to do with a missional calling. Let's look at verses 2 and 3. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. What is the church doing in order to hear the calling? I hear this question a lot from people. What is God's will for me? Am I really supposed to go out and... I, I'm, I'm a little scared about committing to Christ because He might call me to be a missionary to Africa. Have you ever prayed that? You know, Right? 
Or like, like, you know, your own kids. Yes, pursue Jesus, but stop listening when he starts talking about going to Africa for missions. How do you know when that missional calling happens? I believe there's three components here. Number one, worship. You cannot evacuate your relationship with the Lord if you're worshiping Him. But if we allow all these other things to distract us in life, then we stop what? We stop worshiping. And then we get frustrated. How come I never hear from God? Have you ever met that person that you're like, hey, I called you. I texted you five times. How come you're not, what are you talking about? I got nothing. Oh, my phone was off. And you're just like, that's not my children. I just want to clarify. I, I've, got, I've got at least one here today. That's not my children. And by the way, I don't owe five bucks because I said children. I didn't call anybody specifically out on that one. But have you ever talked to a person that like, oh, I had my phone off. Oh, my phone died. You're like, then you're not interested in hearing from me. You want to know a missional calling be in worship like the early church was in Antioch. What else were they doing? They were fasting. You know, we'll fast so we lose weight. When was the last time you fasted? Some of you are like, no, I'm not even going to fast for that. <laughs> when was the last time we fasted to seek spiritual guidance? That, I mean, that's real radical preaching in America. Home of the buffet. Right? But this is what the early church was doing. They were fasting, and then they also were praying. They also were praying. You want to know God's calling in your life, worship, fast, pray. I've got a few other things after that, because that's the text. That's what we see happen here. Follow that primarily. But understand this, God speaks to people. God speaks to people. We see it right here that they're worshiping together and it says that the Holy Spirit speaks and says, set aside, pull them out from your midst. I have something particular and different for them. Set them aside for missions. And I could just see, what? Did you hear that? Did you? Wait a minute. These are our two top guys. We, you know the biggest challenge in church planting? is that you lose some of your key leaders and you lose a bunch of money. And so when you want to plant a church, you really have to take some steps of faith. And a lot of American churches, they work themselves into such a debt for buildings and facilities and you know, staffing and, and this, that. And I'm not saying that all those things are wrong. I'm just saying that sometimes we find ourselves into positions where we can't afford to carry out God's will anymore. How did it end up like that? How did it end up like that? Fascinating. But we know that God speaks to people. He does it here, and we see it throughout Scripture. How can we understand this and relate to it ourselves? I want you to think about Moses. And I'm, I borrow this from Henry Blackaby, who wrote uh, a, a great Bible study on knowing God's will, uh, he talks about this experience of calling Moses out of the wilderness. And he isolates it to three key components. There's a lot more to this, but I love these three key components. There's an invitation. We see the invitation for Paul and Barnabas, don't we? The, the Holy Spirit speaks. I want you to set, there's your invitation. Then the confirmation comes through the, the process of God providing and God leading and God confirming through certain events and even within the changing of their own hearts. I'm not sure it was on their radar to travel the, uh, the Mediterranean all the way over to Rome to share the Gospel. But their hearts changed. And so part of that as well is as you move through, your heart changes, but then you see God work through you and see others come into that beautiful relationship with Christ when they were suffering and they have hope where there was none. 
There are so many, there are 500,000 sitting on the hillsides of Bangladesh that need hope. Just being there, and this is a little bit hardcore, but I, I don't want to I don't want to sugarcoat any of this. Just being there, just surviving. Three days ago, three children and two women were trampled to death by elephants. And you think you've got to worry about men. There are so many people that the only place to set up a makeshift bamboo tent has been right in the trails of where the elephants wander. And so, and, and this happened to uh, multiple families. And over and over and over, we see the challenges. Do you think they need hope? They need hope. But how is anybody going to go unless they're sent? How is anybody going to go unless they hear that calling? You want to hear the calling, be in worship, be in prayer, be in fasting. And not only that, God speaks to people. You know, what's interesting is that it says that Paul and, and, and Saul, I'm sorry, Barnabas and Saul were sent by these other individuals at the church. It may not have even been Barnabas and Saul that heard this message from the Holy Spirit. It may have been others in the room. And God speaks to those individuals. Now, someone walks up to you later today, maybe it's the pastor, maybe it's not, and says, I believe you're called to Bangladesh. Really? I believe you need to get a new carrier, Pastor. I think you got interrupted cell service from God. Because I never got that message. I never got that text. And yet, what happens here? We see this over and over throughout Scripture that God speaks to particular people and those people take that message to individuals. So I encourage you, if someone who you see as spiritual, someone who you see that that message checks out and they're not manipulating for their own purposes, but they create opportunity, they create challenge, they create something definitive, and it is definitive and confirmed that it came from God, I encourage you, don't fight against that. Don't have your Jonah moment. You're not going to win. You're not going to win. So, invitation, confirmation, affirmation. God speaks through people, through prophets and intercession. We see this as Moses went in and volleyed for the freedom of the Israelites, right? In, in, to Pharaoh. Can't you imagine all the Israelites saying, we never got this message. What are you talking about? And, and who are you, by the way? You were raised in Pharaoh's household and you just ran we never voted you in as our represent, representation. That sounds very American church, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pharaoh, that guy doesn't speak for us. And yet we see over and over throughout Scripture that God does this. God speaks through people. Whether it's here within a missional church or whether it's out on the, out on the mission field, God speaks through people prophets and intercession. God speaks through the Holy Spirit and His Word. What was happening within this church service in Antioch? They were worshiping. They were praying. They were meditating on the Word. And, and they were fasting. And so what happens? The Holy Spirit speaks. And there is either this impression or understanding of what the Holy Spirit is leading, or it is a very definitive voice. But the message was clear. Set aside Paul and Barnabas. Set aside Saul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them. A missional calling. Let me just encourage you as well. Are each of us called to missions? Well, let me ask you. We, we have at least six guys listed here. That's not the whole Antioch church. But just out of the six that we have listed, how many were asked to go? Two. Good job with the consumer math, guys. Two. God doesn't call everyone to be evangelists. Ephesians 4.11. He doesn't call everyone to be out on the missions field. And He may call some, we'll see it in a little bit with John Mark, He may call some 
to be uh, support for those that he's called to be the voice of missions. Paul, throughout his missionary journeys, and as we start to embark down this pathway in the book of Acts, you're going to see all the different people, including the writer of Acts, Luke. Luke was part of that support system that traveled with Paul in order that the word may go out. Now, some of them spoke. Some of them did what we picture Paul and, and those missionary journeys doing, but many of them were there as a support system to the entire team. Many of them were just messengers going back and forth to carry these letters. We have missionaries that we support that are doing technical work. And sometimes when you're on a missionary's uh, a board, you're trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to support? Who are we going to support? We really want to support those that are just giving the word out. Well, the Antioch church didn't just support Paul and Barnabas. They supported John Mark as well. And they sent him with those individuals. Now the two were called, Saul and Barnabas, but they sent support with them. So there's a lot of different roles that we have. The key is is that we have to confirm that God is calling us to missions. If you feel that call to missions, each of us should have some kind of a role in missions. And that's why we're focusing on it today or this month. Each of us have an opportunity to be part of missions in one way or another. And we'll get to that in a minute. At the top of your notes, there's a quote here. And I love this. It's by William Booth. He was a British Methodist preacher who started the Salvation Army. And we have some individuals from our church that are going to be going with the Salvation Army uh, tomorrow up to the North Bay to serve up there. And so how ironic that we're quoting William Booth Uh, on this day where the Salvation Army is very involved in serving in dire circumstances. His quote says this, While some weep, as they do now, I'll fight. While little children go hungry, I'll fight. While men go to prison in and out, in and out, as they do now, I'll fight. While there is a drunkard left, while there is a poor, lost girl on the streets, Where there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I will fight. I'll fight till the very end. Now he had a very specific calling in what he did. And you could specifically understand how that fits within missions. But we know, if you know anything about the story of the Salvation Army, he had a huge amount of support. And a big part of that is understanding that support comes from a missional church. But there's a reason why this quote comes from William Booth and not Jeremy Cook. Because in that time and in that specific time, he set aside, he set aside William Booth for that work. So how can you be involved in missions? How do you know if you're being called to it? Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit and start taking incremental efforts to be involved. And start seeing how the Lord might use you See if this is not an invitation towards missions. See if God does not confirm that in your heart through prayer and fasting. And then see if as you step out and you start working, if the calling is specific to missions, you will see the affirmation. You will see God work through you and men respond to what you're doing. A missional cartography. There's your $5 word for the day. You know how much I love alliteration. So normally I would have just wrote a missions map. But I had to stick with the C theme. Verses 4 through 6, let's look at this. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. There's, there's that verse that they had the support of John, right? When they had gone throughout the whole island, as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Now, it's interesting that I would stop there. Well, I stopped there to kind of give you a trailer teaser for next week. Come hear what happens with this Bar-Jesus cat. It's one of the most incredible, profound areas of Scripture. And not only that, it's not how we would do things today normally. Uh, it is one of the best presentations of the gospel from Old Testament to New Testament you will ever find in Scripture. 
So if you're ever wondering how can you, where can you take someone to get this snapshot, this synopsis, right, this Instagram hit of the gospel, go to, go to Acts 13 in, in, in these passages, 7 through, well, through a majority of the chapter. So what do we see here? We see a missional cartography. Did you capture all the places they went? Now just picture this. These three guys, they, they get out there to the port of Antioch, or maybe it's the road. We don't know how they traveled from, from Antioch uh, down to, I think it was Salamis, right? But they've got their mission t-shirts, right? The, you know, Antioch Church um, Avengers or something, right? And it's got some map on it. And they've got their hats and and they've got, you know, their backpacks and they're ready to go on their big trip. And, and so uh, it says that they leave Antioch, they go down to Seleucia, that was on the coast. And so there at Seleucia, they got to catch a ship now, just like you might do uh, going on a mission. But you would catch, you know, like Delta, Delta Airlines over to, you know, someplace in, 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 around the world, right? And so maybe they're catching Delta ship lines you know, and, and they're sailing where? They're sailing to Cyprus. Why are they sailing to Cyprus? Has anybody caught this yet? Remember, you're going to start missions and proclaim the gospel in Jerusalem that was home for those he was speaking to. At that time, it was home. It was seen as home. So he's called Barnabas and he's called Saul. Whose home is Cyprus? Barnabas. And so I can just see them meeting over, you know, bagels and, uh, and wine, right? In, in a room somewhere there in Antioch, probably in the narthex of the church there in Antioch, right? The missions room. And uh, if you're not catching my sarcasm, that's how we do things here in, in the American church. Hey, let's get together in the uh, fireside room and we'll figure all this out over, you know, food again the buffet of the American church. We know you all just come for the donuts. Let's just get that out right now. <laughs> and so these guys have now traveled over to Cyprus. Why? Because in that meeting, Barnabas is probably bringing the understanding, look, if there's no greater place. I know this place. We won't be lost. There's some familiarity. There's places we can stay with my aunt Hadassah, right? And we can just kind of work through the island. And then what does it say? They get to Cyprus and says when they arrived at Salamis, they instantly start pre proclaiming the word of God. Instantly. But see, they had a plan. They charted out where they were going to go. They had intentionality with what they were doing. And they go throughout the entire island. It says, and when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, then they came upon a certain magician. Now, how many people does it say that came to, came to the light of Christ and, and came to understand the gospel and their lives were radically changed as they went throughout the entire island? Doesn't say anything. Luke doesn't record it. But it's interesting. We did a series on the book of Titus. And Titus is on the island of Crete. Remember we talked about Cretans or Cretans? Right? By the way, this island is filled with like a bunch of really bad people. If any of you remember Snake Plissken and Escape from L.A., it would be like that, okay? The island of Cyprus. And so they picked a hardcore place to go to. And they start going throughout that. We don't know what happened, but we know that they were successful because a church is established, and later on, Paul is giving instruction to Titus on how to reestablish where they had once been as the church. So a there was enough room for a church to establish probably from this trip and then for the church to go like this and then for the church to go like this and then for Paul to write a letter to Titus and say, hey buddy, let's go, chop, chop, get things going again, get things head heading north. So interesting, look at what's happened as a result of this and Luke doesn't even record that part. He gets us all to this dramatic moment that we're going to hear all about next week. But they had a plan. They had a plan. Missions has to have a plan. Let's look at it. It starts at home. So what are we doing here? You've already heard me invite you. We've got five more seats, four more seats for the gala on Friday night. What are you doing Friday night that's so important? What are you doing Friday night that's so important? We start Tuesday night a uh, 
Celebrate recovery. Huge, huge opportunities. I have someone in my life group because of the connection through Celebrate Recovery. God's already working. And we've commissioned Garrett and Kat. We're doing missions. Come out Tuesday night. See if the Lord is calling you. See if the invitation, the confirmation, the affirmation is there. Later this month at the, at the uh, congregational meeting, we'll, we're, we will set apart leadership for 2018. You're going to hear about opportunities for outreach that we're going to be doing. And you're going to hear about what, what possibilities we have moving forward as a church to reach out to our home, to our home. Mission strategizes with good marketing. And so I don't know if these guys are wearing shirts or not, but they had the best marketing. And that was the name of Jesus Christ. You have the best marketing ever with your message because your Savior Jesus Christ is faithful to do what he says he will do. He is one worth following. He is one that provides hope. He is one that provides grace, love, compassion, truth, perseverance. Know that message. Live that message. Be that light and understand you're not going in necessarily somewhere to... uh, to be a a car salesman, but maybe you are a car salesman who carries the message of Christ. Our friend Mike and... Oops. Our friend Dave and... (laughs) Dave and Darla, we're just probably not going to broadcast this one. Um, Dave and Darla uh, wrote me a letter recently talking about an individual that they met that came to Christ. Now... In his village, when he was eight years old, there was a Paul and Barnabas and John that came to his village, and they set up a health clinic. And while they're at the health clinic, it was a whole new thing to them, and so he went because it was an interesting thing, but as an eight-year-old, he heard the message of Christ while hearing over and over and seeing these films, these really old films about health. See, there was, a, there was a marketing opportunity there to speak to the needs of the people, the immediate needs of the people. But in the midst of the immediate need, the light of Christ came forth, and that was where he was first introduced to this. Now, did this individual come into the light of Christ at that moment? No, but that's where the seed was planted, and years later, it took root again to the point where his life was changed, and now he is in one of those two countries I mentioned earlier, taking the light of Christ from village to village at the risk of his own life. So, mission strategizes with good marketing. Lastly, mission searches with a pioneering spirit. You know, when you enter into missions, you're called into spiritual adventure. You're called to sacrifice. You're called to walk away from comforts and conveniences that you have. That's really hard for us, isn't it? This gal, Darla, I just received an email from them. Their whole family has worms. Oh boy. So they're dealing with that. They're dealing with the pressure of having two children under the age of three while over there. They're dealing with the pressures of the conflicting governments and all that's happening within their lives and there's so much stress that Darla has an immense amount of anxiety and she's needing to see a counselor and yet God provided a counselor kind of in a third world country. It's not easy. But it is a spiritual adventure. You see, to change people's hearts and lives spiritually There is a cost. Now, he's not going to call all of us to the field, but he can call each of us to be a support and to be a missional church. Amen? Amen. In retrospect, another individual that we were interviewing for a youth position here nine years ago, uh, he's from my former church. Um, 
down south in Los Angeles, and he and his wife just left three weeks ago for Myanmar. And who would have known? What an incredible thing to know that God already has things planned out. And as we have opportunity in Northern California, let me just remind you, you have opportunity here this morning. I guarantee you there are people around you that are hurting, that are suffering. And I encourage you, I implore you, be intentional as a missionary to come alongside someone and encourage them, lift them up, stop operating on the surface. It's going to take a little time. But pray, as the Holy Spirit may lead you, take the pressure to get outside of your comfort zone and do something to walk along someone who is suffering. Or maybe it's at work. Or maybe it's in your household. Or maybe it's those in the North Bay. Folks, we don't have to go to Myanmar to share the love of Christ. Amen? But the Lord's going to take you somewhere. And that's the exciting thing. In closing this morning, let me just mention we got a great letter from Shelby, one of our own. We are a missional church. While I mentioned Dave and Darla, um, what a privilege it is to know that we have one of our own students that's overseas right now. And she's in Thailand right now. And, um, you know, she has her own missional calling. She has a missional cartography that's going on. And she's doing exactly what Paul and, and Barnabas do in this story. I don't know if she's doing it with magicians like we're going to see next week, but what a privilege to know that we fit this missional church. In closing, let me just share this idea. Missions is an adventure. The adventure to leave security behind. To embrace total dependency on the provision of the Lord. To see the impossibility of hearts transform from death to life. Where do I sign up? Where do I sign up? Well, you're going to have a lot of opportunity to sign up. You're going to hear about some of that coming up um, during body life. So let me go ahead and close uh, our message in prayer. And then we're going to do a quick meet and greet and have the worship band come up and lead us in worship. Aren't you glad that God has called individuals that are in places all over the world and even here in the United States to take that light of Christ to people that are suffering? Amen. This is one of the reasons we are the church. This is one of the reasons we are the church. And this church, this local body, will continue to grow in its worship, in its prayer, and hopefully in its fasting as we seek to hear from God and His Holy Spirit. Let's pray and then we'll uh, have you all greet one another. Father, thank you so much for the blessings of your hand and your will at work in our lives. Speak to us continually. Let us be in a constant state of worship so we're hearing from you. Lord, use uh, the uh, message that we've heard today from your word to help us have a deeper longing for missions in support of missions and knowing what our calling is in missions. I thank you that this is a missional church and that we can with smiles on our faces, know that we have committed throughout the years to supporting those that are going around the world and making a difference in the midst of suffering. Let us be encouraged and inspired by the word today. In your name we pray. Amen.